Hey, 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 welcome back to the podcast. This is Dad Space. It's a podcast for dads by dads. We've got our first interview ever on Dad Space. And we have Charles Matthews today. He's going to be talking about his book where he addresses leadership and masculinity. We get to hear about the, his theory on the dad box. And uh, we, sh- we share some laughs and... Uh, some thoughts about being a good dad, being a good role model, father, leader, all that good stuff. Hope you enjoy it. And uh, thanks for listening to Dead Space. Not to be confused with Dead Space. This is Dad Space. Enjoy. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. It's so good to have everyone back again. We have another great guest. We always have these great guests, which is kind of a theme. And today we have a guest who's got an interesting story we're going to tell off the top. We're going to talk about a book. We're going to talk about moving. We're going to talk about amazing leadership and masculinity. We have a guest here today. Charles is with me. Charles, say hello to everybody. Nice to see you. Welcome. Hey, everybody. Thanks Thanks so much for having me, David. You know, you and I kind of just stumbled across one another and... Um, in in pod match or matchmaker or something like that and yeah. i think we got we got a lot in common and we got a lot to talk about so it's it's really great to be here it's great when you can cross paths with somebody um on a journey who has a story to tell and uh in our in our pre-interview chats and stuff and back and forth uh you shared a little bit about some stuff that's happening in your family some changes that yeah. are happening so okay we touch on that right off the top but it's really interesting i'm I'm following this with great curiosity. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, it's a cross-country move. Uh, my wife and I live in, in central Arizona in a little uh, little city called Prescott, Arizona. And we are joining together with her parents to create an intergenerational household to, you know, give them some more time to live, uh, live in a home rather than being sent to a home. And we're moving cross-country to Utica, New York, a former mill town used to be a rundown town that's experiencing a, a resurgence, a, a, a rebirth, a, a little bit. And you know, we're, we're leaving a really hot housing market, so we have some resources that we're going to be able to carry with us. We're selling a house here, and and buying a less expensive place there. And we're we're taking the train. You know, after after tremendous deliberation about how do we get. Four people, three cats, two households full of stuff, and a car across the country. We're like, we can rent an RV and everybody travel together with the cats. We can fly. You know, we can, you know, take the slow boat to China. You know, and what we actually finally, we, we Kelly and I couldn't decide. My wife and I, you know, we're taking a lot of uh, ownership over the how this goes, um, but we finally we couldn't decide which way to go, and and we finally m- put all the options on a whiteboard and took it to to the elders, took it to to Kelly's parents, and we had little infographics of you know how expensive each one was, and you know what the COVID risk for each one was, and how complex each. Uh, each uh, option was because we just could, if if you can't decide, and this is actually something that I learned from outdoor leadership, a little bit of divergence. You know, my background is in guiding uh, young adults and kids and 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 all kinds of folks on long multi day adventures in the Grand Canyon, in the deserts of of Joshua Tree, you know, mountains all over the world. Um, and what I discovered in those uh, situations, in those experiences, if is if the leader team on a backpacking trip, if if the you know designated leaders can't decide on a particular option, whatever it is, 
what to have for dinner or which particular trail to take. It means that all of the options are okay. Because yeah. the experts can't decide between them. So hmm. it must mean that at least the two or three that we're considering are okay. Yeah. And then you can just turn it over to the group and say, well, what do you guys want to do? And then some other solution will emerge. And that's, you know, I, I, I coach parents to do that. I coach uh, executives to do that with their teams. It's like when you can't decide, sometimes the best thing to do is to turn it over to the group. So we turned it over to the, the people who were, you know, ostensibly taking care of these, these, uh, uh, t- a couple of parents. And they're like, we want to go by train. They want to have a cross country train adventure. So at the end of June, we're going to, uh, hand the cats over to somebody else, hand the car over to somebody else. They're going to transport that. And we're going to take the train from Winslow, Arizona. And we actually get to spend the night the night before in an old Harvey house. Uh, the Harvey company uh, sort of worked alongside the, the Topeka and Atchison and Santa Fe railroads to build these hotels kind of one day apart along the main line uh, for tourists to stay in along the way. And this hotel is a renovated Harvey house. So we were already getting some history and some adventure. We get to spend the night there and kind of roll roll from our rooms uh, onto the tracks the next day at 5 in the morning. Take the train to Chicago and then switch trains and uh, follow along the, the coast of, the, of, the, um, of Lake Erie and Lake Ontario and end up in, in Utica, New York. So before you go, are you going to go stand on the corner of Winslow, Arizona? Probably, probably. Yeah, there's a big, yeah, there's a, I don't know if you've seen it, but there is a, there's a monument there and you can get your picture taken and all that stuff. Yeah. I grew up in Arizona and I was just thrilled that there was a song that had, you know, even mentioned Arizona. Yeah. (laughs) That's amazing. So what I loved is we were chatting. I already know the answer to this, but the listener doesn't know the answer to this question. Um, But the house that you bought Tell me, you know, how great is it? Like, how's the backyard? Are the rooms the right size? Is it, how does it feel when you walk through that home? Is it, is it something that you just feels like home when you walk through that front door? Did you carry your wife across the threshold? We bought bought it over Zoom, David. We did, we've never been there. We bought it over Zoom. (laughs) Just like something from, just like a, a piece of equipment from Amazon or, yeah, we bought it over Zoom. You know, our, we, you know, our, our real estate agent, you know, walked through with his phone and peeked in all the corners and took, you know, climbed up into the attic with his phone and turned his flashlight on so we could see it and poked around in the basement. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, we are just sort of putting ourselves out there with a lot of trust in, in the people in the community of Utica. You know, we haven't been there to visit it, but we've talked to some people and, um, I think we're putting, you know, I'm not very woo woo. I'm not all, I'm not all about the secret. I don't necessarily believe that all I have to do is, you know, believe in something and it will manifest. But I do feel like I do recognize, not just feel like I do recognize that my wife, Kelly and I are coming from a place of curiosity and openness and acceptance and flexibility and belief in one another. And that, uh, I think engenders, sort of curiosity in return and, and the willingness to support in return from the other people that we talk to, you know, over the phone or by zoom in this new community. And I, I, I believe they're going to, they're going to want to help take care of us. You know, so I've been interviewing for, for jobs and consulting gigs out there and everybody that I talk to just sounds wonderful. 
So, you know, interview me again in six months and I might say, oh, David, don't tell all your listeners, do not buy a house over Zoom. Do not do that. Um, so we might want to we yeah. might want to we might want to check back in. But, you know, so long as my wife and I like each other uh, in six months, so long as we're still uh, happy with one another, then then we're OK. What an amazing adventure. I'm, I'm again, like I said at the beginning, I'm following this with great curiosity and interest. So. I'm looking forward to uh, to all this. And I think we talked about, like, you're going to be documenting this to some degree because this is a pretty significant change for your, you and your family and your cat and everything, right? right? So it's, right. A, it's a big change. Right. So, you know, are you are you doing something just to kind of capture all this in, in, in your thoughts? Yeah, we're taking, we're, you know, we're doing some, I'm taking a little minute or a little second long video clip every day. So we're going to create a little, create a little uh, uh, quick video of it for sure. But also... One of the ways that it's showing up is that uh, when I do a weekly video for my uh, clients and leads and the people who follow me, I do a, a weekly kind of walk and talk video, go for a hike. I've been talking about thresholds and you know, thresholds are a concept, a psychological concept that comes from depth psychology and soul work. The idea that we can and should take time to uh, acknowledge when we change from one state to another, one way of being to another, recognize actual occurrences in our lives for moments to take a pause and say, I'm going to become a different person. I'm going to step over this threshold. And what has happened before is going to be different than what is going to be happening in the future. Uh, and so, you know, we, that's part of a rite of passage. And I used to run rite of passage weekends for teenage boys and for adult men. And we talk about the threshold moment when you step from your old life into your new life and consciously leave some things behind that weren't working for you, or at least you want to set them aside for now. Some, some thoughts about yourself, some limiting beliefs, what some trauma, whatever it is, leave that behind for a moment and, and go into a different space where maybe there's some. Uh, an opportunity for growth, an opportunity for learning, maybe even an opportunity for healing. So this move for me and my wife and everybody associated, I mean, it is absolutely a threshold moment. I cannot be the person who I am now in Utica. I don't want to be, I don't want to be the Prescott Charles in Utica. That wouldn't make sense because the Prescott Charles really likes, you know, prickly pear syrup and there's not going to be prickly pear syrup in Utica, um, you know, or, you know, I talk about how, uh, you know, we're going to, we don't eat a lot of pizza, but Utica is all about pizza. So we're going to have to decide which is our favorite pizza in Utica. That's I'm not going to try and resist that. That would, that would keep us apart from everybody. Um, and also not just in those kind of, in that kind of funny way about food preference, but this is an opportunity, you know, rites of passage can happen anytime through life. A lot of people, uh, just kind of focus on the rite of passage that happens for 13 or 14 year olds, whether it's a bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah, uh, graduating high school, um, uh, you know, uh, getting hazed into a fraternity, you know, whatever, those are all kind of rites of passage, some positive, some not, but rites of passage happen throughout our lives. And this journey, this physical journey across the country and this uh, emotional and logistical journey into a new life is an opportunity for me to have a rite of passage and an opportunity for me to reimagine how I want to spend the last 30 years, you know, if everything goes well and my heart keeps ticking the last 30 years of my life, or at least the next mm -hmm. 10, 
You know, what let's 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 yeah. make some make some decisions about how I'm going to live into a larger life and and serve my family and serve my community and and serve that region and and serve the world. So, I'm not going to be the same kind of person that I have been, especially through COVID here in Arizona. I'm looking forward to being a different person and and talking to other people about what is your you know what are your threshold moments like, mm-hmm. and I think you know when it comes to when it comes to you know business and institutions, I saw a lot of. I saw a lot of institutions and, and business teams not recognizing COVID as a threshold, not being able yeah. to say, okay, we're, we're going to have to be different than we were before. Um, there's been some great examples of, of organizations that were really different. There's a local nonprofit here that was a community theater and recognized that they weren't going to be able to put people in rooms, mm. you know, staring at a stage during COVID. And so they had to shut down all the productions. But they realized that they had a, a database of thousands of people in the community who had donated, who'd volunteered, who'd been engaged with that community theater. And those people probably had needs. And so they started call. They put their volunteers to work actually calling all of their people on their database to say, what do you what do you need during this time? What do you need during this time of lockdown and isolation? And they started delivering groceries. They started delivering meds from pharmacies. Uh, They started uh, even doing uh, performances, songs outside of people's homes to help keep their spirits up. So they managed to recognize we can't be the way we were. We have to be something different. And now that, you know, theater, live theater is back again. Now they have another threshold to cross with some intention and, and thoughtfulness. So before we jump into our topic today around your book, I was going to do a shout out to any pizza owners in Utica that, um, you know, Charles yeah. and his family, Kelly, are on their way. So uh, his contact information will be in the podcast if you want to <laughs> drop by with a free pizza for Charles and Kelly to try so they can make up their mind. Um, they've already right. bought a home over Zoom, so we don't want to buy pizza over Zoom. So um, we'll have all that contact <laughs> info in there and you can just drop off and get in touch with uh, Charles and Kelly. And I'm sure they would appreciate any free pizza that you'd like to donate. Oh, so gosh. thank you to everyone oh, listening amazing. in Utica. Thank you. So I just want to put that in there for you, Charles. Because uh, thanks, thanks for that, David. I appreciate that. Because you did uh, ask me to kind of plug you some pizza. I remember we oh, talked. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. thank you, uh, thank, so you let, thank you. Let's switch gears, uh, Charles. I'll I'll, I'll, Ven- I'll Venmo you that twenty bucks that we talked about. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay, so let's switch gears to the book. Now you've kind of yeah. You've kind of alluded to a little bit of your work with men um, yep. in your career. Um, we're going to dual purposes podcast because we're going to talk about the book side of it. But we also have a new podcast coming out called Dad Space. And it's all for men and finding yeah. their place in life as a father and whether you're a stepfather yeah. or grandfather, wherever that is. But stepping yeah. up as a man within a family structure and being a great example to your children and to yourself to your spouse, what all that's included, right? So I'm, I'm yeah. curious in two, I, I'm listening with two ears, two different sides of, of, yeah. of the message today and looking forward to sharing this message, a portion of this message yeah. with the audience. So first of all, let's go over the title of the book and maybe a little background to the book and then we can kind of jump off from there. Yeah, I love it. So the, the book is Leadership and Masculinity, Embracing New Strength. Is. I don't know if we're, are we on video recording here? Yep. 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 And, um, 
it's uh, it hit number one new release in men's health and and hot new release in in HR and and business. So it's kind of it's kind of straddling that divide. So it's kind of re, you know it's being dual purpose just like this podcast is. Nice, nice. And it it came you know I've got a thirty five year career in education and and a in the last dozen years really focused on working with men and boys and I like I said, ran a mentoring program for teen youth here in Prescott, Arizona, and got involved with, you know, kind of spreading it around the United States. Boys to Men Mentoring Network is is in dozens and dozens of cities around the world. And what we found when we talked to these boys, 75% of these boys were living, uh, they weren't living full-time with their biological dad. So they either had a stepdad or divorce or their dad was incarcerated or their dad was dead, whatever it was. And so you kind of get a sense of how much father loss there is. And I think that's a term, I think it was Michael Mead coined that term father loss as being kind of endemic in the lives of a lot of boys, whether or not uh, the father is really lost, he might just be working really hard all the time. Or he might be emotionally distant because that's how his father was. Mm-hmm. Doesn't know how to be emotionally connected. And somebody asked me the other day, like, what was the number one thing you heard from these boys? What was the most common thing you heard? And the most common thing we heard was they wanted to honor their fathers. This isn't; These aren't the words they used, but they wanted to honor their fathers uh, and be as much like them as possible, even if their dad was a terrible person, even if their dad was, you know, selling drugs, abandoning women, abandoning children. That was kind of the lifestyle that they felt was there for them because that's what their dad did. And so it just really puts how clearly, even if a dad isn't around, how what a huge impact he has on a boy. Um, and it also just really illuminates the the trap that, I talk about in the book, not necessarily, but not, you know, yeah, the trap that I talk about in the book about something that we've learned to call the man box, right? This set of rules that say men are supposed to be stoic and not emotional. You can be angry. That's a, that's allowed, but nothing really else. Um, you're supposed to, you know, get as many women as possible. You're supposed to be, you know, uh, straight and not gay. You're not supposed to be uh, even joyful, like joyful or, you know, that gets called flamboyant or whatever. Uh, you're supposed to earn money but not do caretaking. Mm-hmm. Um, you're supposed to be uh, forceful but not creative. You know, you're not really supposed to listen. The leadership style that you're supposed to put out there is my way or the highway, power over, win, lose kind of stuff. And all of those rules of the man box really prevent the kind of relational abilities. We don't call them soft skills anymore, Mm. right? Let's call them relational abilities that allow men to be amazing parents, amazing partners, and amazing leaders. You know, it's like maybe the hierarchical my way or the highway dad or boss, maybe that worked in the 19th century and the, and the 20th century, but mm-hmm. it doesn't work now. That's not, mm-hmm. that's not what the 21st century is calling for. It's calling for people who can, who can listen, who can express curiosity, who can admit mistakes. Uh, you know, a dad who can say, wow. And this was something that my dad did. This was had a big impact on me. My dad had a little bit of a temper. He was raised by an old school stoic Portuguese man, blacksmith, 
Uh, and my dad tried not to be that way, but every once in a while he would, he would lose his temper a little bit. And I got yeah. spanked. And this is in the, in yeah. the seventies, but then he would come down and apologize. And that's a, like, that's a little bit, you know, there's kind of an abusive uh, uh, style in there to like hit somebody and then apologize. But the apology still meant a lot to me and to see how much he wanted to be close to me and mm-hmm. to uh, ask for forgiveness from me with tears in his eyes. Um, and, it, you know, and it, it wasn't totally codependent because he was a, he was truly a loving, caring dad, but he just lost his temper every now and then. So he was really struggling. And now, I, you know, I hope I hope parents you know my age and younger i'm in my i'm in my 50s i'm hoping parents my age and younger dads especially can even even create a little bit more space between their temper and their acting out and their ability to just be there for their kids and and admit like i got really angry at you dave i was so frustrated and i just snapped and i'm working on on not reacting when i get that angry it's it's really hard you know i'm doing more meditation but you know i'm gonna i'm gonna do what i can to be able to, to just apologize to your kids, I think, is really powerful. One of the lessons I remember when my kids were little, I have three kids, um, was, you know, I, you work hard as a dad and as a parent to, you know, support, you know, supply for your family and give your family what they need. And, you you know, you, it, they, your family doesn't always see the extras that you do. Um, you know, you do work long hours. You would do the little extra here and there. You also sacrifice. You you don't spend money on yourself. You spend it on your family where you would love to go and buy the latest whatever, but you just know that that money needs to go to food or school or whatever. And, you know, I would buy something for the family and out of sometimes out of recklessness, the, my kids could damage it or break it or yeah. back the van into a post. And, you know, you're like, you know, A, I don't have the money to fix this. B, in your recklessness, you've now caused me financial burden. And in that moment, yeah. you become angry because sure. it's out of your hands. But somebody said to me when I, when I was a young father that think about, think about what matters most in this situation, the item that was damaged or the person that is in front of you. What's worth yeah. more? What is really worth yeah. more to you at the end of the day? Is it your relationship right. with your son or daughter? Or is it this the door of the van or this item or this thing, you know, because yeah. we get so focused on the thing, even as a parent trying to supply and, and be this, you know, give you the things you need that when they get damaged, yeah. you're just like, Oh, like, yeah. Oh, have you have any idea how hard I work for that thing? Right. But you're right. looking in the eyes of your child and they're, they're welling up and they know they did something wrong. Yep. Don't value the things, value your children, value that relationship. And that was one of the hardest things yep. I learned as a young father. And again, nobody was there to teach me that. And I wish right. there was, right? Right. And that's something right. I probably could have it put into place sooner than learning it as my kids got older and making yeah. mistakes in the, in the process. Right. And, it, and you know, the, the scenario you're describing, you know, I know a lot of men don't want to feel like they're passive or that they're just letting things slide or get away with stuff. That's that's not what's really called for. It's it's really 
you know, kind of restorative relational parenting, right? And I can I can tell a specific example from from my mentoring experience. We had we were running this rite of passage weekend, and we used peer leaders, you know, slightly older boys, 16, 17 year old boys who'd been through the rite of passage, who'd who'd been working with us, and who were ready to take some leadership. Uh, and to help provide the bridge between us old guys and the and the younger kids. And we found out on one of these weekends that some of our favorite, they were called J-men because they were on their journey. They were journeymen. Our favorite J-men had smuggled like a, like a homemade vape pen and some tobacco or something else. They'd basically brought contraband onto the weekend. And we brought them all into one room and we as the adult males in charge of this weekend we just started expressing our feelings in the way that you were talking about like yeah but that that van that van door you know that's gonna cost me and this is the number of hours that i'm gonna have to work and i feel so frustrated you know we just explained about like you know we we trusted you and um you know this endangers us. This endangers our reputation. This endangers the reputation of the organization. This might mean that we can't bring kids up here anymore. If somebody found out about this and really raised a ruckus, you know, that's what you're putting all at risk. And as you said, like these boys, these 16, 17 year old boys are just crying. They're bawling because they've disappointed us. And they're seeing the, the bigger consequences of their decision. They were just thinking really selfishly. They were thinking about fun. They were thinking about, you know, camaraderie, they were, you know, kind of doing the, 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 you know, I'll do it if you'll do it kind of thing. Yeah. And, and we didn't have any agenda. We're just like, we just, we just need you to know what we feel about this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, later I was talking to one of the boys who I knew had a difficult relationship with his dad. And I said, Miles, how, how you doing after that? Cause he'd been one of the ones crying really hard. And he said, I don't know how to feel. Normally when my parents yell at me, I just slam my door and tell them that they're jerks, but you guys didn't. Now I just, I I think I feel guilty. He'd never felt guilty before Mm. because his dad was always being mean. So he didn't ever have to take any responsibility for his actions in his own heart and in his own head. So by doing this kind of restorative process of just telling them, you know, what, what we felt about it. and And I think we put in place some, they took accountability, which is really important. They didn't continue to lie to us. That would, that would have been really hard if they'd continued to lie to us. But so they took accountability and we put in some sort of, um, reparation. I can't remember what, what exactly what was it? It's not even important, right? Mm-hmm. Whether they paid yeah. for it in some way or owned up to it in front of other people. I don't even remember what it was, but what was, what was important is that our relationships between the, between the men who all, exp- we got a stronger relationship. So you can kind of put that in the context of, you know, a family, uh, you know, the parents get, actually get stronger together when you do it this way. And our relationship with those boys was, was incredibly powerful. I went to high school graduation for all those kids and got to, you know, see them off to, to college and community college and all of that. So when we can, and this is, can be challenging for men because again, the man box says, the way to be strong is to be loud and sure and emotionless. Mm. You ran into, you ran the van into that post. You are in trouble. I am angry. doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what you feel. That's not what I'm interested in. And you are going to pay for it. And you're grounded forever. Mm. But when we step out of the man box and allow ourselves to be more emotional, to express uh, sadness, to express 
uh, frustration, to express disappointment, and to express I don't know what to do, to express yeah. unsure. You ran into the you ran in, into the into the into the pole. We had said that if anything like that happened, that you were going to lose all your car privileges. But I know you really care about driving yourself to high school. I don't know what to do. Yeah. What do you think should happen? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That's uh yeah. And as I look back at how that unfolded for our family, you know, I got quiet for a long time because I didn't want to say the wrong thing as a dad. Because in those moments, because I know I can go rewind in my mind times when I've disappointed my family or my parents or and I had the talk or I had the moment, right? And that stays with you for the rest of your life. 100%. You know, and I'm in this moment looking at my child going, okay, <laughs> um, what I say in this moment will stick with this person and yeah. shape their thoughts for the rest of their life. Do not be careless. Don't be quick to anger. Yeah. All of these things are in my mind because I can tell, take you back to that moment for my, for my childhood. And it's, totally. it's, it's, it's overwhelming sometimes. The yeah. influence you have as a, as a, a father and a husband and uh, a parent and the stage that you live your life on in front of your family. Right. Yes. Yes. You know, yes. You, you're, yeah. you never get, you never get to go, you know, behind the stage or behind the curtain. You're always up on stage yeah. and uh, in the good times, the bad times, you're always there. They look to you and they, you know, when bad things happen, they, they're waiting for it. Right. Yeah. Good things yeah. happen. They want to see how you celebrate. But you're like, you're yeah. talking about right. if you're just in that man box you mentioned and you're just that constant mm, unplugged yep. and distant person. I don't think that's a healthy, a healthy no. balance in life. Right. No. So how do we find that no. healthy balance? Yeah. I, you know, I talk about in, in the book, three steps to getting out of the man box and it's directed at male leaders, but I think, you know, obviously a dad is a leader. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, you're a leader of yourself. You're a, you're a leader, uh, and I, I, ideally a co-leader with your other parent. But um, the first step is just to begin creating awareness. And, and the, the way you described the, your own internal process, the, the self-awareness you had in that moment of like, these are the things I don't want to do. I don't want to overreact. I don't want to react too quickly, et cetera, et cetera. Build, that, building that kind of awareness is really important. Um and for men in particular to, to start extending their circle of compassion and awareness beyond themselves, but, you know, out to women and girls, out to people of color, out to, to LGBTQI folks, yeah. um, becoming educated about the whole spectrum. And, and as a dad, you know, you don't necessarily know when you've got a five-year-old, an eight-year-old, a 10-year-old, you know, where your kid is going to head. So can you, mm -hmm. you know, create an environment that is welcoming to however that kid shows up uh, yeah. in the world? Um, so just building awareness about our own reactions, being able to take breaths, being able to, you know, I, I recommend, you know, mindful breathing, uh, exercise, you know, spending time in nature with yourself and, and with others to all to lower our reactivity so that we can create a little freedom for ourselves. right? That space between stimulus mm -hmm. and response, that's mm -hmm. where all the freedom is. It might be tiny. Mm -hmm. It might be a half a second. That might be all the freedom we have at the start. 
but so, you know, building that awareness is, is, um, step one and asking for help is step two. And this is a radical thing for men to do. And I'm so glad you're starting a podcast for, for men and dads, because the man box says, don't talk about it. Don't talk about how difficult parenting is. Don't talk about how difficult being a man is. Don't talk about your successes as a, as a dad. Don't talk about anything except for, you know, sex and sports and, you know, you're not even really supposed to talk about money. You can talk about cars. So when we reach out and ask for help, we uh, kind of blow up a bunch of the expectations of the man box. We blow up the the don't ask for help thing. We blow up the, you know, you, you got to go it alone, that all leaders, all powerful men are lone wolf guys. That's just mm-hmm. not true. Um, and we start to build a community and we start to re-remember those relational skills that we got talked out of when we were little. We re-remember how to express emotions, how to say, okay, it's not just anger that I feel, I feel frustration, or it's not just happy that I feel, I feel connected or excited, you know, like getting a little bit finer grained about Mm -hmm. what our emotions are. And we get better at listening. Uh, And especially in a men's group, you know, we can blow off a little steam and then go back to our family, our kids, our, our workplace, whatever it is, and with a little less reactivity and a little, maybe some coaching from somebody else, or maybe just, uh, the relief from, you know, kind of an emotional or psychic kind of weight. We can let that go in a group of men who we know will get us mm-hmm. because we're expressing ourselves emotionally and openly. And then, it'd be, then it's safer to go back and try something different with our kids or our parents or our wives or our workmates. Okay, Charles, so I have a curveball for you. Excellent. You ready? Sports metaphor. Here we go. Couple of couple of guys. Let's do some sports Step metaphors. To, steps up to the plate. Here we go. Um, what have you adapted from your book in your marriage? Oh yeah, yeah. So the actually, it's kind of the other way around. It's like my marriage really affected this book. Okay. Um, wow. Okay. The. Um, one of the most, one of the biggest experiences, most memorable experiences in my life around stepping out of the man box occurred when I first started dating my wife, Kelly. Uh, we were, we were living an hour apart when we started dating. And so we spent a lot of time on the phone and a lot of time on Facebook messenger and, you know, flirting via text and all of that. But after about a couple, and it was getting, it was really intense. It was really good. The relationship was really hitting on all cylinders. Um, but after a couple months, I started not responding right away when she texted me or sometimes not picking up when she called. And I, I didn't understand what was happening. But fortunately, I had a men's group. I could go to my guys and be like, what's, I don't know what's happening. I'm, I'm feeling, I'm pulling back. I'm, I'm, I'm not there for her. And, you know, they didn't necessarily say anything to me, but I realized that I was frightened of this intimacy that was showing up, that was calling for more of me than I thought I had. And this relationship mm. was so powerful. And so the next time Kelly called me, I can remember I was standing right out on the right out on the porch right over there. Um, she called me and, and she said, how is everything? And I said, I'm scared. And Kelly, bless her, this is what this is what made it all work. She didn't try and make me feel better. 
She didn't try and make me feel defensive. She didn't get defensive thinking, oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? Why is this guy scared? Mm. She didn't make it, make it about anything other than what I just said. And she just said, okay. And that acceptance of my, you know, kind of secret feeling, that acceptance by her, that secret feeling made me fall in love with her even more and to feel so safe. All my fear went away because she was so clearly there for me. Wow. Yeah. And so yeah. that's, you know, kind of the, the book is about, you know, that the rewards for stepping out of the man box, right? I put down my shield. I dropped my solo lone wolf man thing and expressed vulnerability to this woman who I was just coming to know. And instead of being shunned or uh, being told that I was broken and needed fixing, I just got acceptance and I got more and I found more capacity to be engaged in the relationship. So that's my, that's my big message in the book is that when we step outside of the man box and you can always go back, but when we step out a little bit as parents, as bosses, as leaders, as, as change makers in the world, notice what shows up for you. We're told that if we're vulnerable, we're at risk. We're told if we try and share power, we'll lose status. We're told if we try and create win-wins, people will take advantage of us. We're told if we try and include more people that, you know, again, we'll lose status, we won't be as powerful. But every time in my life now where I find a way to ignore that advice from the man box, to ignore those, uh, those rules, I get rewards. When I'm curious, when I express curiosity or unknown, I get information. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I work to create win-wins, I get more power. You and I are creating a win-win. We're going to do collaborative. We're going to do a couple of different collaborative podcasts. It's going to yeah. be great. And all that's going to show up is more capacity. We're going to impact more people. More people are going to hear us. Um, so every time I, I step outside of the man box, I get, I get a little reward. Now, sure. There, are, you know, Sometimes when I step out of the man box on Twitter, for example, I get called all kinds of interesting, nasty yeah. names. I get, I got called cuck the first first time about uh, two years ago. I'm like, all right, I finally arrived on Twitter. I've been told that I'm a cuckold. Excellent, <laughs> good. Um, but that you know that doesn't that doesn't affect me. Um, so yeah, I I think, and we need leaders and we need parents who are willing men male parents fathers who are willing to do that because like I said earlier, it does the old ways, the old strength model doesn't work in the 21st century. Our kids don't want it. Our wives and, and partners don't want it. Yeah. And our, our employees and, and business partners don't want it either. They yeah. want this new strength of, of win-win power with inclusion and vulnerability. That's what everybody's looking for. That's how people know that they can trust us. That's how people know that we've got their backs. That's where we get creativity and the ability to pivot from. Uh, yeah. So much Charles. Like when we, when I hit record today, I didn't know where we were going with this, but you are bringing so much amazing information. Like this is so practical. And, and if we just can even apply a, an ounce of what we've chatted about so far, you, we will see significant change in our families and our personal life, our, our relationships. You know, there's so much here, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm yeah. seriously, I'm just soaking it all in, Charles, and oh, I'm gonna have great. to listen to this podcast many times because there's so much in here that I need myself, 
and your right. willingness to to make time to do this today is just it's it's exciting for me and I hope that people listening are just like connecting with this message and you know and and are eager for more you know um yeah yeah I hope so too and I and I, you know and I even if there are men out there listening who are feeling a little resistant like oh that sounds soft or that sounds weak or that sounds whatever it's like okay go ahead I, you that 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 message of resistance is natural you've been told for your whole life that being strong looks like this and i'm telling you no it looks like this completely different thing so it's natural that you might want to resist you might want to question it and and i just encourage anybody listening to take a moment to to breathe and and to lower your reactivity and, and to focus on what you really want in the way that you talked about dave about you know what do you really want in your interaction with your kid you know mm-hmm. do you want to be right yeah. You know, or do you want to be in relationship? Yeah, yeah that's you know, huge. Do you want to walk? Do you want to walk that daughter down the aisle with just like a big grin on her face and tears everywhere, or do you want to be really right about who damaged that van? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> Charles, has my wife sent off like? like messages for you to answer these things can you charles can you when you talk to my husband can you talk about this 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 and this you're like it's really kind of crazy it's like you're in the room with me i'm just well you are on zoom but and you can apparently buy a house on zoom now too which i've never known apparently um and free pizza is coming your way but uh, there's so many things that i'm you're saying that are just directly impacting me today and (laughs) i I, i'm spellbound i am Mm. I'm enjoying this. I really am. Fantastic. Fantastic. We're met to meet. See, okay, so let's please not say this is the only time we're going to talk about this topic because I think that we have not even scratched the surface of the depth of A, the knowledge and experience that you bring to this topic, but to to go deeper into your, your book and and put more focus on the book, I would love to have a part two after you've done this amazing move and adventure that you and your family are doing, but I would definitely like to circle back because like I said, this is, I need to invest some, some time in this book and come back with 150 questions for you because great, there's, great. there's so much in here. Right. Great. Great. And I'd love to tell the story uh, at, a, at a future time about how I came to write the book and what, what technique I used because it's a little different than most, than bo- most book writing techniques. And I'm, I'm guessing that your listeners would be really curious uh, to hear about it. Cause I was resistant to being a writer for a long time. I said, I'm not a writer. I can't write a book. I won't write a book. I, I never, I had never written anything longer than 11 pages. And, uh, and then a project that was supposed to be just a little 40 page kind of extended pamphlet became a 145 page uh, you know, kind of manifesto. So I'd love to talk about how it got there. Okay. So we're definitely going to circle back for a round two then in the future. Sure. Sure. Okay. You bet. So Charles, what is the best way for people to connect with you pre and post move? Um, how, how can people get into your world and follow up further? Great. Well, what I'd like to do, I'd like to just do a special offer for listeners to your podcast. If wow. I've created a splash page that they can go to, uh, and it's just charlesmatthews.com um, slash book. So okay. C-H-A-R-L-E-S-M-A-T-H-E-U-S dot com slash book. 
And uh, when you go there, you'll be able to download a free chapter of oh, nice. uh, leadership and masculinity. Great. Well, this is a great offer. Yeah. yeah. And then people can have a taste of it and it's available also Amazon, all that as well, right? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. Is it available yep. through your website as well? No, just through Amazon. Okay. Yep. Through Amazon. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Search leadership and masculinity, embracing new strength. And I'll send you the, I'll send you the link. We can put it in the show notes. Awesome. I would love that. Anything left, uh, Charles, that we can leave people that are listening a, as a author, a reader, or B, um, a podcast listener who is a, a dad, a father. Yeah. How, how can we end this off in a positive way and an inspirational way? Yeah. You know, I think for men in particular, you know, the 21st century is calling for us. You know, women are calling us forward. Our kids are calling us forward. The people who we supervise are calling us forward into a really purposeful life. And yeah, it can be really scary because the old ways that we were taught aren't aren't working. But we have an opportunity. We never we never really lost our ability to connect. We never really lost our ability to to emote. That was what I got so clearly from working with teenage boys as we just gave them a little bit of freedom and a little bit of opportunity to to express their full authentic selves and it just comes pouring out. So it's there for you guys. So find a way. Uh, find a way, men, to find a place that's safe enough for you to be a little bit vulnerable. Find a place that's safe enough for you to be um, more authentic and and. You know, you might have a beautiful relationship. You might have a beautiful marriage, and that might be a place where you get to be authentic and whole. But find some other guys. Find mm-hmm. a men's group. Go to go to mankindproject.org. Go to uh, mensgroup.com. You can find online groups. You know, go ahead and reach out. Ask ask for help. Reach out to me. I can hook you up with other resources if you're not finding what you need. This is our time. Excellent. 21st century's calling. Excellent. Charles, thank you so much for your time. Good luck in the move. I know you've got everything well organized, planned out. I hope the cat, is it a cat or cats? Two. Two cats, three cats, actually. Three cats. cats. All three cats have the best trip of their life. Yeah. And uh, you guys arrive safe and happy and you can find your house that you've never been to. and, And there's pizza waiting on the front porch. Oh, what a vision. What a vision. I love it. I love it. Thank you, David. I appreciate that. Thank you so much, Charles. Uh, Again, everyone check out Charles, check out his website. And um, we're so pleased, again, Charles, the amount of knowledge and information and and thoughtfulness of how you've been presenting today in this podcast. I I am very grateful and I'm looking forward to round two so much. So appreciative for the opportunity and the new relationship with you. Excellent. Okay, all the best to you and your wife. Thank you so much. Thanks, Dave. Okay. You know, as rowdy as it was to watch that Jerry Springer show. Remember that show? Jerry would have crazy episodes, and at the end he'd come back and he'd kind of summarize and give his thoughts to end the show and kind of quell the craziness. Now, I realize we didn't have any craziness today with our, our guest, Charles, but I just kind of wanted to give you some thoughts as we close off, some things that really stuck out our conversation today I love how Charles took us down the path of talking about father loss and what that can how that can impact our kids and how that shapes their patterns for their adulthood and the thought of the thought of even having a disconnected dad where you could just be working a lot or not traveling or divorced or separated and not in your kid's life 
just the impact that that has. Kind of how we set the pattern for our kids by how we live our life. It's really important as dads to to realize the power of an example lived in front of our kids. And again, the other part that really in, in made me think was the whole concept of the man box that Charles talks about. That we that we're supposed to be stoic, serious, angry, or hold power over somebody, win lose. We earn, but we're not caretakers. That whole my way or the highway. It's interesting how we've changed. How we're growing, but we have so much more to do. So thanks for listening to the podcast. Hope the episode really helps. Go over to check us out on dadspace.ca and uh, you'll find links to our community, links to the podcast itself, and we'd love if you share it out with one dad this week. And uh, really looking forward to doing life with you. Thank you for taking time to be part of the community, part of the podcast. We'll talk soon. And I'll just pass this over to Jerry. Jerry? Till next time, take care of yourself and each other.